I'm Betsy Reed, and this is The Discomfort Practice, where I talk to creatives, activists, leaders, scientists, and a host of others about discomfort, about the role it's played in their lives, who they are and what they do in the world, and the value of discomfort in helping us move forward as a society. Discomfort is just the edge of your comfort zone, and on the other side are superpowers. So settle yourself in, and let's get uncomfortable. Well, it's been a while since I have done a Discomfort Running Buddies episode, which if you haven't listened to past Discomfort Running Buddies episode or past episodes of The Discomfort Practice, first of all, welcome. But second of all, Discomfort Running Buddies is a concept that I came up with as a way to justify talking to my friends, (laughs) many of whom are truly awesome and very conscious people who understand the value of discomfort and also are like a running buddy is a support in the discomfort of getting through life and pushing through when you need to and resting when you need to because we're sharing this experience but having our own experiences as well in practicing discomfort and being in deep discomfort and in growing from it. So I I wanted to ask my friend Blair, who is a new-ish friend, but I feel like I've known Blair for probably several lifetimes. And I was introduced by a recent podcast guest, Megan Bonham. So, hey, shout out to Meg. She's amazing. Go back and listen to her episode if you haven't already. But Blair Kaplan is just a wonderful human being. So, Blair, I'm going to give you a nice, snazzy little interview that I pulled off somebody else's podcast interview with you. And then we're just going to kick it off. How's that sound? I'm here for it, my friend. You're just here for it, period. I love that. Okay. (laughs) So Blair Kaplan, aside from just being an overall badass of awesomeness, is a certified event leader and life designer. You can be a certified life designer, people. How cool is that? They are a healing presence. She is a healing presence. Let's own those pronouns. That serves as a guide on people's personal journeys. She helps people manifest their most authentic self by unlocking answers and unleashing power from within through co-creation and life design which is what it says on the tin. You design your life. So she set up Lone Wolf District, which is dedicated to creating safe spaces in external environments and internally within oneself to help people grow, heal, and evolve. And I love that about setting up external safe spaces and helping people to also set up internal safe spaces because I know from my experience over the past year in particular that making yourself feel safe is everything. It's the basis of everything. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. Welcome, Valer. Thank you so much, my friend. I am honored to be here with you. Well, let's just go with this. I, as I was saying before we hit record, I've not, not developed a brief, which for somebody who is always very prepared as a way of like, I create structure so we can flow. I am throwing myself into the discomfort deep end today by not having prepared a brief. And like I said, I have four bullet points written on a piece of paper which is unlike me. So let's just do this. Let's see what happens. And to those of you listening, we, I guess my intention for this is to have it be a very conscious, very real conversation about discomfort and kind of where we are, this timestamp right now. It's April, 2022, lots of shit's going down in the world. I am personally having an extraordinarily grumpy week where I'm just kind of not loving anyone or anything, (laughs) not usually a frame of mind I show up to podcast in. 
I'm feeling dumb from the Spanish class I do every morning because it's it's shredded my ability to think I speak Spanish. And I'm just like, okay, what use am I on the world right now? So that's where I'm starting from. Blair, where are you starting from? And what's your intention for this conversation, mm. buddy? Oh, Lord. My intention is to give hope to mm. anyone that's listening and I think to you as well. I am not necessarily showing up with the same energy you are. I am showing up with some menstrual pain and a little bit of wonkiness. But that's the cool thing about this. We can't be out here preaching about being uncomfortable and owning that and being authentic and all the things if we don't do that ourselves. So I'm proud of us for just showing up how we needed to today. And I know whoever hears this in whatever energetic field they may be in, I know it'll be beneficial for those that need it. So like I said, I'm here for it. Amen. Yeah. And being real, putting something out in the world that isn't totally glossy, that isn't us showing up in our good vibes only, I think is a value to reminding people that we all have crunchy moments. We all have crappy moments, but you keep running, you keep doing Mm -hmm. it, you keep showing up and you have people alongside you to show up with you and give you hope in certain moments and you get to prop them up and give them hope in other moments, just like your running buddies do. So I'm going to ask you this first question because other than that, nothing is scripted here. So this one you knew was coming. What's an uncomfortable moment that has shaped who you are and what you do in the world? Mm, Let's just dive right into the trauma today. Quick side note though, I feel called to say this before we dive into the deep end with the whole good vibes only concept. I'm not here for that shit. I don't think there are good vibes. I'm not here for the leave the bad vibes at home. No, give me all your fucking vibes because I'm a magical human being and I will transmute them back into love and hope and acceptance and understanding and put that shit back out into the universe. So all the vibes are welcome here, not just the good ones. Hell yeah. Well, that's why we're here because all vibes are good vibes. It's all about what you do with it, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I totally agree. It's like, keep your negativity at the door. Anger is not allowed. I'm like, no, I do all of the emotions. Thank you Mm -hmm. very much. I don't lead a decaf life. So, all right, back to the question. Here you go. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, There are several different trauma routes we could go down. We've got a couple different ones to choose from, but what comes up now is my brother. That's one of the most painful memories of my existence so far, losing my brother a week before my 12th birthday. He was killed due to police negligence, actually. An 18-wheeler hit him and two friends. The two drivers survived. The two passengers did not. Because of that, because it was due to police negligence, my college tuition was paid for by the settlement. I am the only person I know that's gone to college that has zero student debt, which is beautiful. And I still have a dead brother. So we do our best with that. (laughs) Wow. And how has that shaped who you are and what you're doing Mm. these days? It has shaped everything. That moment in time shattered my life as I knew it. There was a part of me that died when my brother was killed. And it's, (laughs) looking back, I can't help but be a little lighthearted about it. I know we talk about death, but I've come to to terms with it, and I'm grateful for his sacrifice. But back then, that... You would think it would be rock bottom losing your brother a week before your birthday. It was not. That was the catalyst for me to hit rock bottom a solid decade later. So how did that Mm. shape my life? 
losing my brother sent me into a decade-long spiral with self-harm, self-sabotaging behaviors, eating disorders, suicide attempts. Yeah. Wow. And now, (laughs) who do you show up as in the world besides fully yourself and a badass? What do you bring because of all of those moments that shaped you? Mm Mm-hmm. I bring hope to the hopeless. My job in this world is to be who I needed when I needed someone. And now I get to be that for others. Mm. It took me a very, very, very long time. It took me a lot of spirals and tears and hate and anger and resentment and anger and grief and all of the things. But now I show up in the world as a human being that has nothing but gratitude for every single ounce of pain I've felt. I had to sacrifice a decade of happiness and friendships and acceptance and belonging and a whole bunch of other things so I could be who I am today. Mm, That makes me think of the process of mining, that for every ton of rock you, you drag out of a dark hole, you get a few ounces of precious something. And you basically said every drop of darkness, of discomfort, of trauma has turned into hope. That's a pretty good, damn good recipe for alchemy that actually that has all transformed into the power that you bring to the world today because you are a powerful being. I see it. People can probably feel it. And as we go through this conversation, they no doubt will will get to grips with your power because you just see through people. You see into people. You see through bullshit, definitely. (laughs) And yeah, so when... You are, you're bringing that to the world. What does your work look like? Sort of what is, what is a session with you like? I think Mm -hmm. this is probably going to be quite interesting for people to hear. Yeah, this is always a hard question, a hard and beautiful question for me to answer because I don't get to police anybody's healing journey. My job is to serve any human being that crosses my path in the way that makes the most sense in any given moment. How that looks for each human being is different. So there are some sessions where we talk about just life in general. There's nothing too deep. We just kind of catch up and check in. I have helped a full-time corporate person start their own business and become a full-time entrepreneur. I have worked through past sexual traumas and addictions with people. At the end of the day, each session, I do my best to have each, I don't even like to say client, each friend, each human being, leave my presence feeling more hope for their future, Mm -hmm. for their life, and really for their present reality. But how that hope comes about is not up to me. It's whatever they need in that given moment. I love your use of the word hope because that's come up repeatedly. It's kind of a mantra. It's your purpose. It's your passion. So what does hope mean to you? What does it look like in the world? I'm thinking about this. I'm not going to answer this question myself in a minute once I've had a moment to think. What is hope to you? All the times I've said hope in my life, I've never been asked that question before. And now that I'm really (laughs) taking a step back and thinking about it, I think for me personally, hope and humanity are synonymous. My personal sole mission in this world is to bring humanity back to humanity. I think that so many of us human beings have forgotten the amazing and beautiful and challenging and frustrating and overall amazing, outstanding, beautiful things that make us human. 
And I think for me, when it comes to hope, hope also means embracing your whole self. Because when we deny one part of ourself, whether it be a certain vibration we're on or a certain emotion that we're feeling, when we deny one part of ourselves, we deny our whole self. And I am no longer in the business of denying any part of myself. So Mm. for me, hope means being human, showing your humanity, showing the highs and the lows, the ups and the downs and everything in between. I love that because I totally resonate with that definition of hope and it's not what I expected because so much of my work is about connection and Mm -hmm. reconnecting people to being human but I hadn't really thought of it before it's like yeah that is the wellspring of hope because if you're truly connected to yourself as a human you understand that there are ebbs and flows there's spectacular potential there are spectacular flaws but you can accept and love it all and have hope for what comes next Oh, I just got an error thing on here. Lost connection to server? What? Reconnected. All right. We're still rolling here. Zencaster has been so weird lately. That's why I had a backup link. Anyway, I'm just going to clap. So I know to edit this out. (laughs) Oh, shit. Anyway, but yeah, back to hope. Yeah, I, I hope that people can resonate with that. We use the word hope a lot, I think, and now I'll catch it every time we do. That if you truly connect to your own humanity, if you're listening to this, that ability to just be yourself, you don't have to be perfect all the time. You don't even have to be improving yourself. There's nothing you need to work on. There is no growth you actually need to be perfect. What kind of hope would that give you? How would that transform your view of the world around you and the future and the past? I think I'm going to ponder that one for a while. Mm -hmm. I love that. I also like that the way you go about designing, doing life design with people Mm -hmm. is I think life design, and I'm not trying to cast aspersions on anyone here, but a lot of sort of the stereotype of coaching and coaches can be that it's quite cosmetic. You know, you're sort of creating a structure and a strategy and it's like traditional workplaces. It doesn't get deeply personal, but in order to design anything, you have to like build a foundation and address anything you dig up down there before you proceed. When you uncover skeletons and ruins, you pause, you catalog them, you deal with them. And I see this all the time in Barcelona because they're always digging up things when they're going to build a new building and they have to pause building for two months to be like, all right, what architectural gem did we just uncover and how Mm -hmm. old is it? So that is how you design a life that you want to live. You have to be prepared for what comes up when you build the foundations and proceed from there. I love that because I think that's probably something we're going to dive into next about how do, yeah, as running buddies here, oh man, where do we even start? We talked about like letting ourselves spiral, letting ourselves be in discomfort, letting ourselves have bad days because yeah, I'm discovering a lot about myself lately as I clear some of the crap so that I can flow better. It's like clearing the crap out of a waterway. In order to flow more beautifully and more easily, you need to clear it out. So a lot of stuff has been coming up for me, even in the past couple of months, like limiting narratives, ways in which I'm absolutely vicious to myself. And I've even been having dreams lately about, keep in mind, if you're listening, I never remember my dreams. So that I'm remembering these is amazing. About me having confrontations with people from my past. This has happened a couple of times lately. 
And a very wise friend the other day was like, Betsy, you do realize none of those people are anyone but you, right? When you're having mm -hmm. dreams about confrontations and anger with these people, they are you. This is your subconscious. This is how you're acting to yourself. So it's a chance to really be brave and kind and look at those things and think, all right, how am I being given an opportunity to heal in a deeper way and to love myself more deeply than I have before? And to realize that there's always more, there's a next iteration to do. And it's not more work. It's nothing that we need to do, like I said, to become more perfect or more ourselves. But there's always going to be another go round to heal more deeply. And that's a gift, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, is there any, anywhere you want to take that? Anything you want to add to that? Anything you want to? I love that you touched on the fact that we can be brave and kind. Mm. I think when we hear that, for some of us, when we hear the word bravery, we get this archetype in our mind that's this big, strong warrior that's mean and tough and all the things. And bravery can also be gentle. Bravery can be soft and kind, like you said. Bravery is not not being scared and going full force at your demons. Bravery is being scared shitless and doing the damn thing anyway. <laughs> and we can be kind to ourselves while we're still being brave. Mm. And while we're hurting and while we're feeling mm -hmm. all of the emotions, like, like, like you, I had an eating disorder and it hurt so good. I was bulimic. And I remember that feeling mm -hmm. of having a bad day and wanting to make myself throw up because I thought yep. I deserved it, but it also felt so good. Yep. And that satisfaction of self-harm. And if you're listening to this and you can relate, there are a lot of us out there who are still healing from that. And it's always part of you. It's like any addiction. It's still always part of you. Mm -hmm. Sort of overcoming it and healing it doesn't mean it goes away necessarily. I still have those impulses when I have a bad day. And it, that's the stuff that's been coming up lately. It's like, ooh, because I recently stopped drinking as well. And I've started to realize how much I self-medicated and even self-harmed with just a glass of wine at night. It was a form of escapism, but also something that I knew wasn't really working for me. And so it's interesting to step back from those ways in which you harm yourself and start to see them and see that they still happen, but that you can continue anyway and, and work on loving yourself better and have bad days at it. Have days when you're just like, wow, I was really shitty to myself today. But yeah, they happen. And yet you can still be brave and still continue and still love yourself. Mm. Do you have anybody who sort of witnesses these things for you? Because you're a professional witnesser of this process for other people. Who are I, your discomfort running buddies? Who are your life design coaches? Yeah. I think first and foremost, my partner, Devin. Shout out to you, babe. I spiraled, uh, Last week, we had to reschedule our podcast. We could be honest about it. I can be human. I can show my humanity here. I went to Target and I tried on nine bathing suits and none of them fit. Half of them didn't even come up past my ass. And that shit hurt my feelings. Oh. I went through a whole four-day spiral with just tears and tears and tears and a whole lot of snot and mean thoughts and just very, very low vibrational energy in a way that I hadn't felt in a few years. And my partner was a fucking trooper, man. He was. He witnessed me. He embraced me. He held me. He told me he loved my curves and my stretch mark. He's, he told me that he loved me no matter what. He let me cry on his shoulder, 
sob into his shoulder, both literally and metaphorically. Mm. My partner, Devin, has witnessed the greatest highs and the lowest lows that I've had over these last six months. Today is actually our six-month anniversary. Look at that. Happy six-month anniversary. <laughs> my year-aversary with my partner, Gonzalo, was on Sunday. So, yeah. Mm. Man, having a good partner is such a gift, isn't it? Somebody mm-hmm. who can witness you and hold that for you and hold you. Wow. Shout out to Devin. Shout out to Devin. Now with that said, because I understand being in a committed relationship won't resonate with every single one of your readers. I think it's also important for me to mention that I witnessed myself. Mm. Mm -hmm. I found a way and there's a book called The Untethered Soul by uh, Mr. Singer here. The Untethered Soul by Michael A. Singer. This book taught me how to observe my life outside of myself, if that makes sense. So Mm. yes, I have a fantastic support system. I didn't always. Then I had to find find a way to acknowledge myself and my feelings and my thoughts and my emotions in a way that they hadn't been acknowledged before. So even Mm. if you don't have an awesome partner that can witness you and embrace you, you can absolutely do that for yourself. Let's follow that one a bit because also there is people will be like, wait, isn't that dissociation? If you're observing yourself from outside yourself, let's talk about it. Like, what does that mean to be able to observe yourself and hold space for yourself or or wherever you want to take this? Yeah. What comes up for me when you ask that is how can I meet myself from a place of curiosity instead of a place of judgment? Hmm. So for my very real example with what happened last week in the Target dressing room, I had a breakdown in the dressing room. Now, in the moment, that was my reaction. But after a few days, I can take a step back and respond instead of react. And I can ask myself, hey, isn't that interesting that after three years of deep inner work, I'm still hurt over my body image versus, God, you're such a fat, stupid person. No one likes you, blah, 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 right? Like there's a very drastic difference between those two responses. So I think in order to, at least for me personally, right? I can't police anybody's emotions or healing journey. But for me personally, when I talk about observing yourself, I mean meeting yourself from a place of acceptance and curiosity instead of resentment and judgment. Mm. And doing maybe what you would do for others or somebody would do for you too. And just Mm -hmm. withholding judgment for a while till you have all the facts. Mm -hmm. Sort of like, because in that moment of emotion when you're upset, because I, one of my dreams lately has been about an ex-partner who I thought I'd done so much healing work on, but in the dream I was so angry at him. And what I realized is it took me a while. I was like, I thought I'd healed this. I worked so hard at this. And then I was like, oh, I'm still angry at myself for choosing that person. I'm still ashamed that blah, blah, blah. I won't go into it just because it's out of respect for the other person who's a perfectly nice human being. But yeah, I'm still deeply angry at myself for what I see as a failure, a failure of choice, a failure of relationship. And I don't even understand it fully yet. But yeah, I guess it's like witnessing what's coming up and not needing to know exactly what it means, but just being like, I'm... I'm here for that, Blair. I'm here for that, Betsy. I'm here for that. (laughs) Insert your own name. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to hold space until this has all the room it needs to unfold to be the rich experience 
that it's calling you to be rather than just like crammed in a shoebox and put in the closet and forgotten about because it's like painful experiences are here to be lived and experienced. The discomfort practice, clues in the name of this podcast, that's why we're all here. Yeah, I love practice discomfort. I want to run with what you just said about the failure because I no longer believe in failure. And I think another way to witness yourself outside of yourself is to witness your experiences from a higher perspective. I now live under the belief that there is no such thing as failure in life. I either succeed or I learn. You turn your L's into lessons and you never fail a day in your life. And I truly believe that although we can't always see why, (laughs) and sometimes it is hard to believe this, depending on the situation, I do truly believe that everything happens for us and never to us. Oh God, why did this happen to me? Oh, I can't believe this happened to me, et cetera, et cetera, versus, hmm, this shit hurt. But let me ask my higher self, higher self, how in the world did this happen for me? Because I know the universe is never working against me. It's always conspiring with me. So how did this happen for me? Mm. Simply switching that preposition is, Mm -hmm. it changes everything, doesn't it? Changes your life. Yeah. I'm living proof of that. Same, actually. And as probably both of us are We've lived a life of being proactive human beings. It's not in our nature to be anything else. But even if you're the kind of person who makes your life happen and goes for things and has a vision and goals and blah, 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 you can still have a reaction that life somehow happens to you Mm -hmm. and it puts you in the driver's or the the passenger seat rather than the driver's seat, right? So yeah, I, I guess if you're listening to this and that landed with you at all or didn't land with you and you're like, what are they talking about? Play with that. What would happen if you replaced the word two with four in anything that happens in your life? Yeah. Betsy, I'd like to make a, or attempt to make a full circle, if I may, to come back to the first question in regards to my brother. I haven't mentioned this yet, but I was adopted at birth, half black and half white, but grew up in an entirely white family. I am half Jewish, for God's sake. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's super white. Well, not really. It's all confusing. Who knows? Yes, I am. I am. All of the labels have been bestowed upon me. But when my brother passed, I had a an open relationship or open adoption with my birth mom, and we would write letters to each other back and forth until high school. The end of high school, when I graduated, I was able to meet her in person. And I bring that up because a few days, or probably a few weeks after my brother had passed, my birth mom had written a letter to my mom. And I had zero business reading this letter, but I'm me. So you're not going to tell me I can't read this letter. So I did. (laughs) I'm a 12 year old girl. I have no business reading this letter, but I did anyway. And I don't remember any part of the letter except for this. And my birth mom said to my mom, I'm sure you're wondering why me? Why this? Why did this happen to my family? I want you to ask yourself, why not? And that Mm. shit has stuck with me forever. Why not go through an abundance of trauma and pain and grief and loss if it means I get to be the amazing human being that I am today? Why not me? Wow. Oh, whoa. You just built on that two, four. Whew. Why not you? Yeah. Because if, if you just start to ask that question, you're going to blow up your life because you either have to see everything as a gift or an opportunity yep. or or just kind of give up and go numb again. 
Wow, I'm going to write that down because I'm going to try that. Why not me? Mm-hmm. Why not me? Wow. And it's such I just... a simple question, but when you really take a step back and think about the answer, it truly is profound. Why yeah. not go through this eating disorder so I could now find a way to love myself unconditionally so I can now teach others how to do the same? Why not me? I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that pain. Yeah, I guess let's, okay. Let's put this out to anyone listening right now. And maybe you want to pause this after I ask this. Take a moment and ask yourself and find one thing, one really hard situation in your life that you might not know the meaning of yet. Mm -hmm. And think, okay, why not me in that situation? Rather than why me, why not me? Mm -hmm. For me, I thought one of the most life-ending things that could ever happen to me was I was in a job quite a while ago. It was over a decade now. Where I was, I didn't even know what mobbing was until it happened to me. And it was like textbook definition, which is basically when a culture turns on you and there are all these sort of clandestine meetings and you're basically bullied from multiple sides out of culture because you're kind of the, I don't know, the toxin to the culture or the invasive species to the culture. And it often comes because you're really good. (laughs) I'm just going to say that. At the time, like it, I just didn't understand it because I come from being really shit hot and well-respected and high-achieving, and then I just hit this culture that hit me back. And it made me sick. It made me depressed. I was also going through a big breakup at the time. I'd moved to a new city that was a really hard place to live, and I, I couldn't get out of bed. I was covered in a bot- full-body rash. My immune system was a wreck. I shook all the time. And I thought, what is the point of continuing? Like there were moments when I was like, I kind of just want to throw myself off my friend's balcony. And it took me a really long time for any of that to start to, for the light to come through the cracks in that, because it just seemed so dark at the time. And like, it broke my health. It broke me mentally. But that shift in mentality of, no, it happened for me, happened progressively. Mm And it turned out to be such a turning point in my life in terms of how I work and my boundaries and what I will or will not allow in my life. Because, you know, it was sort of a frog boiling situation where it happened gradually before I really understood what was happening because I'd never seen it coming because it didn't happen because I deserved it or even because anybody in the situation was a bad person or was like coming for me. It was just this dynamic that happened. And now I look back, this is the moral of this story more or less. And I see not necessarily all the answers of why not me, but I see the wisdom that it's given Mm me and the ability to help cultures not be like that, to ever do that to anyone else. Cause a lot of my work involves working with cultures and calling mm-hmm. bullshit on people who are kidding themselves that they're being nice when they're not really. And and it's just, it's given me so much perspective that I never would have wanted <laughs> because I never would go through that again by choice because I, I thought it was like life ending at the time. But, mm-hmm. you know, and I, it's not as traumatic as some people's examples might be. I mean, there are others, but that was a big one. That was a real milestone in life of like, oh my God, nothing could be worse than this. I want to end my life and it's my fucking job. Oh, it's still our fucking work. And that also made me feel bad. Like we're not supposed to be defined by what we do, but it was so devastating and it felt so personal at the time. 
And I was so defined by my career and my work. And it was kind of the biggest thing in my life that it was, it took me down hard. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Why not me? How is this happening for me? And one more to throw into the mix. How did this trauma evolve who I am as a human being? Our pain is not in vain. Our pain is not in vain. We get to choose if we use this pain to fuel change or to fuel more pain, but that's a choice that we get to make. The trauma mm-hmm. that we go through is not our fault, but it is our responsibility to heal from it. Question. Does everything have a purpose or is it that we give it a purpose or give it meaning? I, that's a beautiful question. I don't think I've ever been asked that before. I don't think anything in life matters until we give it meaning. Mm-hmm. Someone walking down the street is wearing a pink shirt. Unless you love or hate pink, that shit doesn't mean anything to you. Nothing in life matters until we give it meaning. So I think we give experiences, people, sometimes even ourselves, purpose. I think we have that power to do. So do you think we as humans intrinsically have purpose? I mean, this is kind of a... We're splitting hairs a little bit here. Because I know we agree, but we might find some points we disagree on here. Does everyone have purpose? Should we find one? Discuss. I believe every soul that inhabits a human vessel comes to this earth in this lifetime with a specific purpose. I think not every human being does the inner soul work to find that purpose. Mm. Or to live it. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. It's interesting as well, isn't it? When you do a lot of work to become as conscious as you can, as imperfectly as we all do it, which is great. Imperfect is perfect. Mm -hmm. You start to also realize there are a lot of people who aren't doing the same work. And it's not our business to judge that. But you do kind of wonder like, wow, all these beautiful people have purpose. Why aren't they seeking to live it? It's almost like they're afraid of their power. If you fully acknowledge your power as a human who has a purpose... Mm-hmm. What would you have to change in your life? It would be uncomfortable. But I, I think a lot of us aren't used to practicing discomfort to the level that would get us into living our purpose. I don't want that to come across as judgmental in any way because like, most people are just doing their best. They're doing their best that they know how to do because that's what they saw from their family or they're just doing their best to feed their kids or get out of bed every morning and do a good job at work. There's so much more that a lot of people could be doing. I don't know. I'm uncomfortable even saying that because it does sound judgy. Like, who am I to say? But yeah, I don't know. Running buddy, throwing it over to you. (laughs) Yeah, kudos to you for being human. Judgment is a human emotion. We're allowed to have that. It's valid, just like happiness is. I've got a couple different thoughts that come to mind. I think there are a few different well, several different levels of consciousness. I think some of us aren't even aware of our power yet. I think some of us are aware of our power and are scared to tap into it. I think there are several different layers to awareness and to consciousness. And I think that human beings aren't taught to do it or how to do soul level work. We're not taught how to face our shadows. We're not taught how to acknowledge the mean feelings. We're not taught how to love ourselves. We're not taught these things. And Mm -hmm. so I think for those of us that have reached a certain level of consciousness, it is a disservice, not just to ourselves, but to the entire fucking world, not to talk our shit as much as we can. It's Mm -hmm. a disservice for 
me to not have this conversation with you because I may potentially open the mind to one of your listeners that has never thought of any of this before. What a gift that my pain allows me to open the door to consciousness for others. What a fucking gift. That made me think of actually what's my key? What's my door opener? And actually your pain is your key to opening things up for other people. Mine is my anger. And that is a super, it's a disallowed emotion. It's not considered very nice or very polite or very acceptable. But I know when I'm on the right track to living my purpose, when I feel a certain type of anger. And that relates to what I just said about people being not very conscious because I see and grieve over the impact that we as humans in the systems that we have set up have on this planet and on each other. And it makes me angry because if people were living more consciously, they would be more concerned about, they would be more aware of their impact and concerned about that. And we could change things very quickly. We could turn this ship around so fast if people understood that everything they do has an impact on other people and that is important to understand. So yeah, I find myself trying not to judge people because I want to be nice and trying not to be angry out loud. But it's it's also something that I know is the only way sometimes because I've done a lot of behavior change campaigns. People need to hear the truth and a lot of people are ready to hear the truth. They're tired of having niceness fed to them. and like, oh, do this thing a little better and it'll save the planet when they know full well it will not. So there's this energetic, they know they're troubled, but they're not necessarily conscious of why. So I think maybe it is time to be, it's cruel to be kind at a certain stage and to not tell people the truth about the impact that they could have, but that they are actually having as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's just me thinking out loud about productive discomfort. Motherfucking, Mm -hmm. ah, that's what I'm talking about. It's what I talk about here all the time. And I just brought it home to myself. Good job, Betsy. (laughs) I just let myself think that out out loud and it feels good. So thank you for witnessing that. Absolutely, my friend. I don't disagree with you. And to bring a full circle to something you said previously, I think we can be brave and speak the truth or our perception of the truth and still be kind. We have room Mm. for both at the same time. You told me that. And also not being truthful out loud is sometimes not kind to yourself. And that's a good Mm -hmm. reminder that not speaking the truth even when it upsets somebody is sometimes being unkind to yourself. And that is where it all starts from. Just like RuPaul says, honey, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen? Exactly. We can't give something to someone we don't already have. If I don't have love for myself, how in the world can I love you? I I literally can't. I don't have it yet. Mm. Yeah. So how can you, well, for me, that's about allowing myself to be angry when I'm angry and speak the truth and do the work that I need to do and be honest with People who might reject me for it or leaders who might not hire me because I'm like, you are doing crappy things to the planet. And if you don't change, it's on your hands. It's on your head. That might not get me hired again, but somebody (laughs) has to say it. Yeah. I exist in an industry that's become an industry because people are being really nice about making things more sustainable. And it it has done not much. I'm just going to call out the sustainability sector because we still have conferences and I don't go to them anymore and haven't for a while. And I read the reports from them and I'm like, 
this could have been written five years ago. It's exactly the same conversations with exactly the same people on stage and exactly nothing happening as a result, except that everybody feels nice about having made some effort. Mm -mm, not good enough. <laughs> Oof. I tell my clients that, and my friends, I tell every human being this because I love every human being. How cool is that? I tell every human being when it's needed, not just like in the middle of the conversation. But I will say, I, hi, I'm Blair, and this is what I say to every human. No, <laughs> when it's appropriate, when it's needed, I will tell these humans that I'm willing to play the bad guy in your life if that means you grow today. And that's because I love you. I'm willing to tell you about yourself. I'm willing to have you not like me today if that means you get to grow. And that's because mm. I love you. That's good friendship. That's good parenting. That's good coaching. That's, Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank God for people like you in the world, Blair. Thank God for you in the world or gods or goddesses or universe or whatever. Insert the word you love. But yeah, it's, oh, it's just such a pleasure to go on a run together like this because mm -hmm. yeah, we're just shooting the shit and holding space for each other. And it just feels so lovely. All right. Where do you want to take this next? <laughs> We've talked about feeling hope and pain, building space for yourself, a shove into the deep end, letting yourself spiral. We've covered a lot. Being angry. Yeah. I am here for wherever this conversation is meant to go. So I'm going to put the ball back in your court, my friend. Mm, it's like mean chess. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I think I want us to talk to the listeners, whoever they are, because I truly do believe like you do that the right people will hear this. And if it's just us who needs to hear this awesome we're having an out loud conversation with ourselves basically mm -hmm. but what i hope people are getting from what we have said so far and actually i think this is going to be my final thought so i might just ask you after this to be like what do you want to leave people with what do you want mm -hmm. to feel free to take your time but what i hope people are getting from this and from listening to anything on the discomfort practice is hope and the feeling that they have company and discomfort and a deeper understanding that discomfort is awesome. It's not something to be avoided, that the deep discomfort we are experiencing right now in history, <laughs> in global events, in our own lives, in our own, you know, crunchy professional personal lives or whatever, whatever you're going through is happening for you, not to you. And if we all showed up with the peace and acceptance and power that that brought, how would things change around you? So start asking yourself those questions. Change two to four. Ask, why not me? Get used to being uncomfortable because it's going to get a whole lot bumpier before it gets any smoother. It might not get smoother, but we are seeing accelerated bumpiness, I would predict and say, as things break down, as things change, and as we see old paradigms not wanting to let go old powers not wanting to let go as we try to enter a new level of consciousness together, a new way of being to each other and in this world. So please do embrace the discomfort. Practice it like you're going to the gym. You need those muscles. We all need you to have those muscles. So that's what I want to leave people with. Ball's in your court, Blair, my friend. Mm, that's beautiful. I want the listeners to know that I love them. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you will do, I love you simply because you exist and you were born worthy of love. I also feel the need to say 
you're allowed to be in the dark. You're allowed to be in the tunnel. You're allowed to not see the light. You're allowed to be wherever you need to be in order for you to grow. And when you're in the depths of darkness, I want you to remember that there is no light at the end of the tunnel. There doesn't need to be one because you are the fucking light. And whenever you're ready, you can light that tunnel up and find your way out. But you're going to have to make that conscious decision. And when you do decide to make that conscious decision, please know you don't have to do it alone. You're going to do the hard work yourself, but you're not going to do it alone. Because you, are, you never are truly alone. You are divinely protected, connected, supported, loved. And even if I never meet you or speak to you, I'm in your corner no matter what. Because you deserve to have somebody in your corner. So, I love you. Turn the fucking light on. Get out of the tunnel and make the changes you need to, to live a powerful and bold and abundant and beautiful fucking life because that's what you deserve. And so it is. Blair, I love you. I got chills all over the place multiple times there. (laughs) I love you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. And you're definitely coming back. So thanks for the discomfort run today. I will high five you and smack you on the butt and give you an energy drink now. Because that's what we would do if we were running down the road here together in Barcelona or over where you are in Baltimore. So I love you. Take care. Thank you for showing up as yourself every day and for showing up on this podcast. Mm, Thank you so much, my friend. I love you. I am so grateful for you. And I can't wait to see how much more magic we get to make together in this lifetime. (laughs) And thanks again to Megan Bonham for introducing us. That was a magical connection. Thank you, Meg. So to those of you listening, stay uncomfortable. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for running along with us. Hopefully you found something there. I'm sure you did. Listen to it again. Let us know what you think. Mm-hmm. Over and out. Thanks for getting uncomfortable with me. If you enjoyed this episode, follow and like the discomfort practice wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave me a five-star and written review and share this with other people. Help me to reach new audiences with this idea that consciously practicing discomfort helps us to individually and collectively discover our superpowers and create a society and a planet where everyone can thrive. Thank you so much to my guests all season. Go back and listen to a few more episodes to hear more of them. They are wonderful humans doing amazing things in the world. Thanks to my team who helped me produce this podcast and for those who inspire me through their writing, their conversation, and their support. So that's all from me for now. Follow me on Instagram at the Betsy Reed if you want to get to know me a bit better, some of my thoughts. And in the meantime, stay uncomfortable. <laughs>